I think the Brewers shop both Burns and Adamas try to get the best, you know, package they can get for both of those guys. I've seen, you know, some reports suggesting that maybe one team like the Dodgers could do a, you know, a two for X number player package. Uh, I'm sure the Brewers would be interested in that and, um, you know, start, start the rebuilding process. If you had the chance to have a beer with your favorite baseball player, what would you talk about? Would you ask the same tired questions like every reporter after the game? How did you feel? What was going through your mind? Yada, yada, yada. Probably not. It's time you hear the stories that these players have never told. This is the Setup Man Podcast, where we have conversations that every fan wants to hear and the stories that every player and coach deserve to share. Let's get started. Hey, Setup Nation, excited to come to you with the very first episode of Rumor Has It. This is going to be covering all 30 MLB teams during this hot stove season. And our very first guest, Todd Rosiak with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's a beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And man, Todd, what a, what a great first episode here because it seems like the Brewers are the talk of the town when it comes to uh, the hot stove already this offseason and maybe not for the best reason in Milwaukee. But I mean, you guys have just had a ton going on. I'm sure you've got a, a busy offseason so far. Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, um, 14 years now covering uh, the Brewers and easily the busiest the busiest off season I've experienced. And uh, in my 31 years in the newspaper, I think this is also um, qualifying as my busiest off season. It's just wow. been really nonstop since the end of the end of the season when the Brewers got dumped in the, in the, uh, the wild card round. And it just got crazier, of course, with the Craig council stuff last week was getting Pat Murphy in place. So now hopefully we've got about a little, little less than a two week window here to kind of catch our breath before uh, the winter meetings start, but knowing the Brewers and just, you know, kind of guesstimating what'll happen. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm would not be surprised in the least if there's another couple trades in the, in the offing before we all get down to Nashville to kick off the, uh, the hot stove. Yeah. Winter meetings coming up and uh, you know, just, just to get everyone kind of caught up, right. You guys were 92 and 70 this year. I know central champs swept by the diamondbacks though, in the NLDS, but this was the fifth out of six years for playoff appearances and really just kind of crazy with the whole council thing. And I know we, a lot of people have been talking it to death, but I just want to hear from your perspective, especially being a guy I'm sure that had built a relationship with council. Um, how does it feel with him going to the Cubs? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I started covering him when he was still playing for the Brewers. So, yeah, I have been around him for a while. And he's always been a guy that has kept his intentions and his motives very close to the vest. And mm. if we look back to the start of, you know, about this time last year, maybe maybe going to January, everybody knew that he was entering that lame duck status as manager right. with one, you know, in the final, final year of his contract. And – if you go back and you look, he didn't talk about it much. Very, very reticent to, to address the topic. But anytime he did discuss it, again, kept everything very close to the vest, never really went into any detail, not, didn't really say much of anything other than, eh, I'm just happy with the Brewers right now and I'm just letting it play out and we'll see what happens from there. You know, that, that really should have been our first clue that something might have been in the offing. And, um, 
you know, people once the once the season finished and the Mets stuff started picking up picking up steam, I didn't really see that as a as a very good fit. Council to the to the Mets just did not make much sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think everybody, including myself, figured that at some point in time, the two sides, Mark Adonazio, the team owner, and Craig Council would come together on a number and and he would be back. But that that fateful day, a couple two weeks ago today, I believe, um, fateful day where everything started popping, and you know we hear that the Mets are hiring Carlos Mendoza, and then Cleveland a little while after that hired Stephen Vogt, and then it was Craig Council is going to be going to a team that already has a manager, and then it's the Cubs of all teams. It was just an incredible unfolding of circumstances, yeah. and. Um, Needless to say, it was not hand, or it was not received well in, in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin. You know, this, he's gone from a guy who, you know, really, you know, could have written his own ticket the rest of his life here. Um, you know, Wisconsin lifer, Milwaukee area, <clears throat> Milwaukee area lifer for the most part, <clears throat> to uh, persona non grata. Really, yeah. There's a small percentage of people here who I think, and rightfully so, are grateful for the time that he did give the organization because. He really was an important piece of what has happened here over the last nine years, getting the Brewers back to respectability again. Um, but to go to the Cubs of all teams, it's um, I would say it's a cardinal sin in the, in the eyes of many. So <clears throat> now that he's departed, um, I think everybody is wishing the worst on him, as yeah. fans will often do. And the, the 14 or 15 times, whatever it is, these teams will play every season moving forward now are going to be incredibly intense. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. I mean, they're, you know, the, the games are always intense anyway, but you throw council into the mix now too. And it's going to be really, really insane. So uh, if for nothing else, it's created a tremendous, tremendous storyline for, for fans and for media both. Yeah. Well, the storyline, right. is really what, what I think catches everyone's attention already because it was just, and, and you heard about it, right. November 1st, Jed Hoyer hadn't even talked to cred council at that point. And it seemed like it all came together. So last minute that it was just such a, you know, whiplash for everyone. But I think you nailed it on the head, right? Like that's a cardinal sin going to the, the Cubs. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, low key. Uh, I am a Cubs fan, but I still was like, Whoa, that that like yeah i'm excited about craig council but at the same time like if i was a brewers fan i would not be very happy about that uh but you know pat murphy now in the seat have you gotten to know pat very much with him being the bench coach for the last few years yeah um you know obviously he's been around he was he was council's bench coach for all but the first year of council's managerial stint here so um he definitely cuts a very different presence than craig council did craig was Craig, pretty quiet guy for the most part. Um, Pat, on the other hand, is is loud, boisterous, can can be obnoxious in a good way at times. Um, is not afraid to give people a hard time, including the media. He showed that in his introductory press conference already. So, for those of us who who deal with the with the manager twice a day, every day during the baseball season, it's going to be quite a change from going from his his student to uh, the teacher, you know, from, from Craig Council to Pat Murphy. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see how, in particular, the young players take to Pat Murphy because he can be a, um, you know, kind of a hard-charging guy. He, he has no problems getting in, in a player's face, and that was not Craig Council's style. So 
Um, you know, the Brewers valued continuity in this hire more than anything, which is why Pat Murphy's getting the, the his first chance at a full-time managerial role in the majors at almost at age 65, which is really an interesting story in and of itself. Um, but again, you know, in, in a season coming up in 2024, that is going to have no shortage of interesting storylines. Um, the Murphy thing to me too, is going to be right up near the top of the list. Well, and that's good insight to know that because, you know, from a fan's perspective, I look at these moves and then I see Brandon Woodruff, uh, you know, let go. And I see Roddy Telez not coming back. And I think to myself, well, this feels like a rebuild. This feels like young guys coming up, but you're saying that, you know, Murphy is, can, can kind of be a little bit intimidating, that, do you do you see it the same way from the fans' perspective that this is maybe the start of a rebuild, or do you think this team is still going to try to be competitive in twenty twenty four? I think it, the the story is really going to be told over the next two weeks and then coming out of the winter meetings. Um, you know, right now they've got really two guys that I would that I would pinpoint as the ter- the determining factor whether they're going to go rebuild or not, and that's Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas, two guys yeah. who. Uh, you know, no chance of re-signing in Milwaukee after this coming season. They're going to be making too much money. And, um, you know, the Brewers want to want to stay competitive as much as possible. But I have a hard time believing that they look at their roster right now, look at what they're going to be in the, in the very near future, and think that by keeping Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas, you know, competing – for this coming season in 2024 uh, at maybe the expense of bettering yourself for a longer period of time down the line. I think to me that signals a rebuild. So uh, in my, in my uh, humble opinion, I think the Brewers shop both Burns and Adamas try to get the best, you know, package they can get for both of those guys. I've seen, you know, some reports suggesting that maybe one team like the Dodgers could do a, you know, a two for X number player package. Uh, I'm sure the Brewers would be interested in that. And, um, you know, start start the rebuilding process. It's not a word that anybody likes, especially the Brewers who, um, you know, if you look around the division, the Pirates have been in a perpetual rebuild and completely alienated their fan base. Um, the Reds have been in an extended rebuild last year. You know, they showed some signs of promise finally, but that's another franchise that really alienated its fan base. You know, the Brewers are very cognizant of that and they're very mm-hmm. reliant on selling tickets and, and they don't want, you know, to have to go through this extended period of time where they're just not competitive. So if they can somehow make it to where it's going to be a shorter window, you know, a two year process, something like that. I think that's more palatable and they do have a lot of young uh, controllable talent, both just having reached the majors, um, Bryce Terang, Sal Freelich, Garrett, mm-hmm. Garrett Mitchell, uh, Joey Weimer, those kinds of guys. And then they've got obviously a really good farm system as well. Uh, I think we may see Jackson Cheerio at some point next season, you know, one of the top two probably prospects in all of baseball. Uh, they've got some intriguing pitching coming through the pipeline, some very good position players as well. So if they do choose to go um, rebuild, I would expect them to try to bolster that farm system a little bit more, maybe pick up a few more younger controllable pieces on the major league side and, uh, and see what happens. Do you see there being any scenario where Jackson Trio breaks camp with the team? No, 
No, that yeah. would be for, virtually impossible. And, and for a number of reasons, I mean, they're not going to come out and say it, but service time certainly would be one you know, consideration. But also, uh, you know, this is a kid who's really had just a handful of games at the AAA mm-hmm. level. And now he has proven the Brewers, the Brewers are always very aggressive with their top prospects in terms of moving them up the minor league ladder. And, and that hasn't been any different with Churio. He's answered the bell every single time and um, certainly did not look out of place in his short little stint with uh, AAA Nashville. But I, I would expect him to start the season in Nashville um, at the very least, uh, you know, probably spend the first half there and then maybe reconsider at that point. Other, you know, other factors might come into consideration, injuries at the major league level. If Churio is just all of a sudden, you know, tearing it up at AAA, then maybe you reconsider. But mm-hmm. to me, that's probably a second half type uh, addition if you're going to be looking at him getting to the major leagues. One other guy I've seen in trade talks, potentially not as much as Adamas and Burns, like you mentioned, but Devin Williams. Um you know, that, that, that would be a tough one. I feel like to stop stomach based on how dominant that guy has been for such a sure end of the back of the bullpen, especially since you guys lost hater uh, last year. I mean, do you, do you think there's any truth to those rumors or you think that he sticks around? Uh, I, they have two years of control left of him. So if somebody yeah. were to come to the brewers and just knock their socks off with an offer, I think you have to, you have to consider it. And, you know, they showed that they were willing to do that with Josh Hader, and they did it in the midst of a playoff run, too, right. which, you know, making that move ultimately is what cost them getting to the playoffs that year. Um, you know, Devin Williams, one of the very best handful closers in baseball. Um, you know, we see what the what the prices are once these guys reach the open market. I, I was looking today, I see Josh Hader is, you know, looking at a five-year, $105 million contract or something like that, just – you know, insane money, something that the Brewers certainly wouldn't consider doing for a closer anyway. Um, and they also have a guy on hand right now in Abner Uribe, who they feel can be their closer of the future. This is a kid who, you know, can top out at 103, 104, one of the very hardest throwers in the game. He needs experience. He did get quite a bit of it last year and looked pretty good. So, you know, if the Brewers do ultimately trade Devin Williams, I think they're pretty well positioned to kind of cushion that blow. And you're going to have your ups and downs with the young guy. There's no question about it. Your rebase control is, is something that's uh, continuing to be a work in progress, but it's not like you're going back to square one. You've got a, you've got a real candidate and a guy that could potentially be really good in that role moving forward. So if I were to ask you today, only one guy is going to get traded. Who's most likely in your eyes going to get traded? Is it going to be, Burns is it going to be Adamus, or do you think they all stay? Honestly, I, I think both Burns and Adamus are are destined to be to be traded. I don't mm. I don't see a scenario oh. where one goes but the other one doesn't. If that makes sense, I think the sure. the interest is going to be huge in Corbin Burns. We all know that starting pitching is at a premium at the major league level, and you know this this is a guy that's two years removed from winning the Cy Young. His numbers have not been quite that good since, but he has something going for him, which every team covets and that's uh, health. You know, he's taken the ball every single time for the last three years. And that's, that's something that's pretty rare in, in the game, obviously. Uh, you know, Willie Adamas is his offensive numbers have, have kind of taken a tumble. He's going to drive in runs. He's going to hit home runs. 
His average has not been great. He struck out a bunch, um, but he is a very good defensive shortstop as well. One of the two or three best in the game right now, if you go by the analytics. So, you know, if you're going to trade Corbin Burns, you might as well trade Willie Adamas or vice versa. If you trade Adamas first, you might as well trade Burns and just start that process. Um, you know, if the Brewers do get get rid of Adamas, they've got a guy like uh, Bryce Terang in the wings who they think can be a, a, an everyday shortstop at the major league level. Certainly, with a, like I said, with uh, Abner Uribe, with any young guy, there's always going to be that that learning curve and growing pains. Um, Bryce Terang went through quite a few of those this past season, but there's a lot of promise there. So, um, you know, fans of prospects, fans of young players, I would say uh, tune in and watch Brewer games because you're going to be seeing a lot of young, exciting faces coming through the pipeline here in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, speaking of new faces, one that is not new that to me was a little bit of a surprise, but I want to hear from you, you know, Woodruff uh, was, was that expected from the team on, in your eyes that they were going to let him go? Or did you think that he had another chance to come back? I know he was owed $12 million. So that probably had a huge part to, to go into the decision. Yeah. I would, that was not a surprise in the very okay. least. And what a, what a bad set of circumstances, both for player and for team. Yeah. Um, Brandon Woodruff, as I said earlier, I, I've been doing this for a long time and Brandon Woodruff is on my short list in the top five of all the years that I've been covering baseball, just quality human beings, great guy, great in the community, does anything the team asks of him, fan friendly, you know, just like everything you want in a guy, in addition to a really good starting pitcher. Um, and for him to go through what he did this season, he had that sub scap strain that cost him three months you know, rehabs his butt off, comes back, pitching great. And then that last start in Miami and uh, end of September, yeah. his velo drop way down and right away, you know, the red flags start going up, like what's going on. And then, you know, we all remember the tearful uh, press conference going into the playoffs where it was announced that he wasn't going to be able to pitch. And from there, it's just kind of been, it's like it was destined to happen. The Brewers just don't have that kind of money you know, to keep him around for a year and then, you know, maybe sign him for a, a, you know, 2025, a make good deal, something like that. They, they could not get together on a number. Teams knew that the Brewers were in a tough spot and they were probably more than likely going to non-tender him. So they're not really going to offer anything of value in trade. And as a result, uh, the two, the two parties had to part ways. Um, I talked to Brandon Woodruff a couple of weeks ago and he, you know, he f was fully aware of the situation you know, knows it's a business, but, you know, made sure to say that, you know, his preference was to stay in Milwaukee if it could at all happen. And, you know, he cherished his time with the Brewers. So I know GM Matt Arnold said that it's not, you know, even though he has been non-tendered, perhaps that there, there could be some way that they could come back and revisit this at a later time and bring him back. I don't know how likely that is. Um, but I, I, I joke with Woodruff, I said, uh, us media types, we'd be willing to uh, chip in a little bit out of our measly paychecks to, uh, to throw a little his <laughs> way to, to bring him back because you can never have enough of those the, enough of those guys in the clubhouse who are just always friendly, open, willing to talk, um, you know, and, and and do it in a professional manner. And he certainly is right right at the top of the list of those kind of guys. So today, as we do this, we know that Woodruff's not coming back. We know that Telez is not coming back. Of course, if Burns and Adamas go as well, there's going to be more holes to fill. But currently, as the roster stands, 
what are some free agents out there that you kind of look at and say, Hey, those could be some good filler pieces, especially during a rebuild or a potential rebuild that might just be, you know, one, two year contracts uh, to fill in some spots for now. Honestly, it's way too early to start throwing okay. names out there just basically because we haven't seen the market set yet. We really have mm-hmm. not seen any of those dominoes kind of fall. So I think that's kind of what happens in most off seasons is you get the big names signed and then you start working your way down from there. What the Brewers have really excelled at, um, in addition to making trades kind of a year ahead of time, everybody looked back last year and said, why, you know, why did the Brewers trade Hunter Renfro for three lottery tickets? And um, we see how it turned out. It doesn't always turn out this way, but <clears throat> the Brewers got a guy in that three-player deal, uh, Elvis Piguero, who turned out to be a really, really good seventh-inning guy with the potential to be an eighth or a ninth-inning guy down the line. Hunter Renfro uh, bounced from team to team to team and ultimately was DFA'd. So the Brewers are always thinking ahead of the curve, almost like the Tampa Bay Rays in that respect. And it's not a mistake because Matt Arnold came up in the Tampa Bay Rays system. So that's kind of how his mind works. And, you know, with the smaller budget, you, you have to think outside the box. So to me, I think the Brewers are going to be looking at more of those types of deals, trying to be ahead of the curve, trying to pick up young, controllable talent. And then once the dust kind of clears and the market is settled, and that's taking the, the trade stuff out of the way, the Burns and the Adamas thing, uh, potentially trading them. But once the market is kind of settled, the dust is cleared, and you have this group of players that's left still looking for jobs, that's where the Brewers do some of their best work. They, they, they move mm-hmm. in. And right before training or right before spring training starts, they'll, they'll sign two, three, four of those guys, you know, maybe a pitcher or two, a reliever, a couple of position players, and then hope they catch lightning in a bottle. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Uh, last year, you think back to some of the names they signed. They signed Justin Wilson. Didn't work. Signed Tyler Naquin. Didn't work. Signed Luke Voigt. Worked for a couple of weeks and then he was gone. So it's just you know, kind of hit or miss, but that's what they like to do is just hit the hit the bargain bin. And again, I know fans don't particularly like that, but they have had a lot of success doing that in the past. So I don't see any reason to think that they're going to deviate from that um, that process again. Cool. Last question. You mentioned that fans should get used to seeing a lot of new and young faces. Who's someone that we didn't talk about that's coming through the system or maybe only got a few at bats or a few innings to pitch this year that you're looking forward to seeing more of in 2024? Uh, for me, the the real story and the 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 thing that's going to be most important for this team is after you know having moved past this class of homegrown talent in in Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, it was really a, a once in a generation type rotation. Um, you want to look at kind of that next generation of starting pitching, and the Brewers have a couple guys, really three guys in the system right now that. Well, I would say probably two of them have a really good chance of being in the majors this year. The third, perhaps, um, the names are Jacob Mizorowski, Robert Gasser, and Carlos Rodriguez. Mizorowski, he was a second-round pick of the Brewers a couple years ago. Just incredible flamethrower. Anybody who follows prospects knows the name. He was in the Futures game this year, throwing 103 miles an hour. and He's a guy that they believe can be a starting pitcher. Um, you know, time will tell on that. His command is still a little iffy, but he's got just a, a world-class arm, incredible fastball, and some other really good ancillary stuff. So he's a name to watch for sure. I think the guy out of that group right there that is going to make a real 
immediate impact is Gasser. He's one of the guys that the Brewers got back in the Josh Hader trade in August of 22. Uh, I would not be surprised if he is in the starting rotation on opening day. Left-handed, strike thrower, big sweeping slider. Um, again, if he can dial in the command a little bit more, he's a guy that's going to strike out seven, eight, nine guys in a, you know five, six innings and give you quality starts most times out. And then the third name is Carlos Rodriguez. He's a guy who came out of junior college a few years ago um, and just kind of a more of an anonymous guy, um, kitchen sink, arsenal. He pitched uh, <clears throat> in, the, in pool play in Team Nicaragua's uh, opener in the World Baseball Classic this past spring and did really well, um, belying his age. He was only 21 at the time. And he'll be at, he'll start the year at AAA Nashville this year. He's another guy, too, that I think could factor in as time goes on. So to me, the Brewers are, are pretty are in a pretty good position with the position players. But uh, if they can get even two of those pitchers to really click and, um, you know, stick in that rotation moving forward, they should be in really good shape. Well, they've been good the last decade at making sure a lot of those prospects turn out to be something. So looking forward to seeing what they have this year. Todd, anything else happening behind the scenes that I didn't ask about that uh, you want to share? Um, I mean, really, the only other thing that pops to mind is is the um, I'm going to be interested to watch the interplay between Pat Murphy and his and his new associate manager, Ricky Weeks. Yeah, I think most Ricky. baseball player, play, uh, fans recognize that name. Uh, you know, he was an all star second baseman for the Brewers. Uh, one, one of the real good homegrown talents that the Brewers have brought along in the last 15 to 20 years. <clears throat> and a name that I think has surprised a lot of people because he wasn't even in really involved in the major in the background or the periphery of the major leagues just a couple of years ago, he came on as a player pro personnel assistant, kind of learning the ropes through the front office and, and doing a little bit of, uh, of scouting, a little bit of coaching with guys behind the scenes. And he's really burst into the forefront here. And I, I think if things go according to plan, if things go the way the Brewers hope they go in several years, Ricky Weeks may be, the next brewer manager once pat murphy moves on however that happens okay. you know another another homegrown guy kind of in the mode of craig council um you know well respected brewers fans have loved them and so that's something that, that bears watching ricky weeks kind of learned the ropes at the right hand of pat murphy and we'll see where that takes them there you go i was also surprised when i saw ricky weeks getting named and not bench coach anymore, associate manager. I, I like how they changed the name of that. Everybody's got a title now. Everybody, yeah, they, exactly. They changed the title of a coach on the on the team. He was he was previously um, pitching, catching, and in game planning coach, and is now as his title has changed to run prevention coordinator or something like that. So <laughs> it's just I don't know if they're getting any more money with these titles, but they're they're certainly getting more creative. Oh my gosh professional ice on the arm, man. Let's, yeah, let's go exactly. for that next. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, Todd Rosiak, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of a look into the Brewers off season. We appreciate you. Yeah. You got it, Kyle. No problem. My pleasure. 